Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephanie Larkin, and I'm delighted to be joined today by author Jan Alexander, the author of Miss Ming's Guide to Civilization. Jan, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Stephanie. It's oh great my. to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. My gosh, Ms. Ming's Guide to Civilization. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like a textbook I was using in college, no? <laughs> a textbook. No, I read it. I wish I had textbooks like this in college. Much more fun than a history textbook. <laughs> so what is the book about? Can yeah. you give us a little? Well, it, yeah, it's a novel. Um, first of all, not a textbook. Um, I hope uh, <laughs> I did read it, so I knew that. Okay, yes. Well, I I hope that you learned something from reading it, Absolutely. but it's definitely not uh, you know meant to meant to teach. It's meant to entertain um, and perhaps outrage. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a story about uh, two broke young women. One is Chinese and one is from New York, and they threw. Magical means um, get a chance to remake the world as they'd most like it to be, and the consequences are disastrous <laughs> once human nature intervenes. <laughs> so this is the the classic, you know, be careful what you wish for because yes. you might get it. I think that's a good way to describe it. Absolutely. Well, now that you've said that it was meant mm -hmm. to entertain and even outrage, everyone mm -hmm. is quick, you know, buying the book. <laughs> <laughs> Now, is this your first book, or have you written before? Um, uh, I have written other books. Um, many years ago, I co-authored a nonfiction book called Bad Girls of the Silver Screen. Oh, so you really are um, into outrage. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was about the way prostitutes have been depicted in Hollywood movies Ooh. Uh, since the early days of movies, and um, that was quite fun to research. Um, I also wrote a previous novel that was called Getting to Llama, uh, which, like Ms. Ming, was set in China, although also in Hong Kong, where I lived for a number of years. And it was published by a Hong Kong publisher um, a long time ago, 20 years ago. And uh, That's not that it, long ago. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while to write a novel. It does. Um, <laughs> it does. 20 years? Were you working on no, this for 20 No, not years? quite no. 20 years, but, <laughs> but about 10 years. Wow. Um, well, you know, so was Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Mitchell, 10 years for that book. Oh, yes. Was long. That's, it was a long <laughs> ten years, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Is it going to take ten years for the next one, or we're oh, picking up I speed? Oh, I hope up? not. Yeah, I'm. I'm getting started on it. All right, glad to hear that. Now, besides writing novels, you also write. Uh, you're, you know, into um, writing business mm -hmm. things for a living. Yes, I do that. Um, I do nothing with my life but write. <laughs> so all those people out there who just you know suffer from writer's block doing a oh. text or looking oh. at you saying, "Wow, I could never do that." 
Oh, well, I can't really afford to have writer's block. Uh, if I have a, you know, if I have a business article um, that's due, I just have to do it, um, whether I'm inspired or not. And uh, uh, I once actually interviewed a well-known novelist who told me that an even more well-known novelist um, I had told, namely William Styron, had told him, oh, when you, what do you do if you get stuck? You get unstuck. You have to, you know, just keep writing, even if you don't feel like you know what you want to say. Right. And I think that the only way to figure out what you want to say is to just keep writing until you say something. I love that. The cure for writer's block. Forget <laughs> about it. Writing. <laughs> Just keep writing. And, uh, well, just keep writing first, and you can go back and, and edit out the, you know, if there was anything that oh, was... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uninspired, yes. shall we and say. In fact, I mean, that's, well, truth be told, that's one of the reasons it takes me a long time to write a novel. Um, I write so many drafts. And my first draft is usually uh, not anything I'd let anyone see because they would say, what is this? Because it's just, you know, it can be rambling thoughts. It can right. be incoherent sentence. It's just, right, you know, throwing everything on the page and, um, and, and seeing where it goes. So the first draft of this book was nothing <laughs> like what I've read here. Uh, pretty much nothing like it, yes. Wow. I did, well, I did have two characters named okay. Ming and Zoe, and they haven't changed that much. Um, but to some extent, um, where the scenario that I had them in was the uh, changed. Uh, the time, the time frame was the time, roughly, roughly right. contemporary times. Uh, their stories were roughly the same, but everything happened in a different way in the first really? couple of drafts. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure where to go with it, and then, then I showed. Um, early drafts to a few people who said, oh no, <laughs> do <laughs> something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I mean. You, it's good you have uh, literary friends. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, do, you know, do some, this part of the story doesn't work. This part of the story does work. It is, it's nice to get that kind of feedback. Absolutely, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about your time in Hong Kong and China. Oh. You've obviously been around the block, shall we say. <laughs> Been around the block in Asia. Uh, there's so many places on my bucket list that I'd like to visit that I haven't. Really? But anyway, but but in answer to your question, um, I actually uh, set out to go to Asia, and I got a master's in in Chinese studies at Columbia. Uh, I had been working as a journalist uh, for a few years. And I decided I'd real. I was living in New York. I decided I'd really like to go to Asia. Uh, I knew some journalists in Asia, and it sounded like an exciting place to be. Uh, it's one of the reasons I got into financial writing because uh, I figured I could make a living that way in right. Asia, where there was so much happening financially. And uh, uh, so I did that. I also, uh, well, after that, I went to live in Hong Kong, and I traveled around China and other parts of Asia. Uh, try, uh, mostly specializing in parts of China that nobody wanted to go to. Ah, thus, thus the opening <laughs> scene in the book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did take this rather quixotic trip to a remote village in western Sichuan province. And uh, that, w this, that village was kind of the, the model for the village, yes, uh, the village that Ning grows up in. Yes. 
Okay, so you've actually been there in person. Did it rain all the time when um, you were there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was biting cold in the winter, you know, just this kind of um, um, a very damp, uh, misty cold. Right. What brought you all the way out there in the Sichuan province? Uh, just traveling with a Chinese friend who came from there. Wow. And uh, I wanted to see it. I wanted so you to were see Zoe. the kind of places no one, wanted, <laughs> no one else wanted to see. <laughs> so does that mean yeah. you were Zoe and you were traveling uh, with Ming or no? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh a little bit. Okay. No, but there's, um, I mean, there's a lot of me and Ming. There's a lot of, you know, I think all novelists find that there's a lot of them in all of their characters. And Zoe is far more uh, accomplished than I am. Oh. <laughs> so where is your bucket list mm -hmm. going to bring you next? That's a, oh. you know, for somebody who's been all over Asia, what's left? Mm -hmm. Oh, lots. Um, really? South America. <laughs> never been to South America, no. huh? Wow. Across the big to, ponds, but know, never... Uh, Mexico and Cuba, but not South America. Okay. Yeah. We're in South America. Is the next book going to be set in Machu Picchu or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I actually probably, I, I don't think I'd do that unless I, you know, embarked on a, uh, a graduate level study of Machu Picchu um, because I do feel that you should know what you're talking about when you write. I mean, I could, you know, perhaps I could write a guidebook um, if I spent enough time in some you know, remote location. Right. I have I have done travel writing as well. Oh, have you um, really? Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> when I was in Asia, I did some travel writing. Oh, I love that. Um, like for guidebooks for to Hong Kong and China and wow. some articles. So if I get um, a guidebook, mm -hmm. I might be reading you. Um, maybe. Although it's been it, it's been a while. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but travel writing is great for just familiarizing yourself with the place, of course. Um, but it 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 helps a lot if travel writers. Um, aren't approaching it with a, oh, gee whiz, isn't this amazing um, perspective. Uh, it helps to know about the history of the place and, and what the locals think about it. And I, I, I mean, that was kind of the, the kind of travel writing that uh, got into Ms. Ming, in a sense. Right. Well, between the travel writing mm -hmm. and the financial writing, which, which goes into the whole uh, economic situation that happens in the book as mm -hmm. well. Uh, you're certainly well equipped for writing the book. <laughs> <laughs> and a degree in Chinese studies. Does everybody who writes a book about uh, a guide to civilization set in China have a degree in Chinese studies? Uh, I don't think so, but no. they might be from China, so they <laughs> might have, you know, an well, inside guess, knowledge of the culture. Since you're not from China, mm -hmm. I guess that gives you the pass. Did you get any pushback on the mm -hmm. book, not being from China? Um, I haven't so far, uh, not to my face anyway, <laughs> uh, but who knows. Um, but I actually even wrote a foreword about that, anticipating the idea of, uh, you know, cultural appropriation. Right, right. Um, and all I can say is uh, I did study China. I do feel that uh, Ming is mostly me, but with a, ch with a background as a, uh, with, with a Chinese background. Right. And uh, uh, there's, you know, I mean, there are many different cultures in the world, and they're not all ethnic. Right. Uh, and, for instance, Ming wants to be a writer, and her burning desire to be a writer is something that makes us, you know, kind of part of the same culture. Absolutely. On you another see, you share level. a soul. Yes, in that yes, case. we do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I loved what you wrote in the foreword about that, uh, especially kind of relating that men have been writing in female voices yeah. 
for centuries yes. now. You know, and, and nobody seemed to complain about them. Do, do they really know the, the female experience, shall do we Do they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Some are better at it than others, let's just say. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Yes, well, and then there's all those women who would use a, a male pen name just to get the books sold. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, the cultural appropriation um, um, label is new, and I completely understand where it's coming from. And I have read male authors uh, and thought what they're putting into the minds of their women characters is so, so much coming from where they are as men what and they their perception. Yes, what they think women think and their perception of women. And, uh, and I'm speaking, I can speak a, uh, to this, you know, as a woman who feels that my soul might, you know, has been appropriated in some ways right. by male authors, not my soul, but, but uh, the women's souls. Soul. The feminine, the, yes, the, women, the, the female soul. Um, if you're going to write about someone who is a different gender, a different, you know, in a different time in history, uh, lives in a different place, um, from a different socioeconomic background, um, from a different ethnic culture. Um, I say be sure you really immerse yourself in yes. their background, but also think about, but it's fine to tell stories of other people who, who are not you and not from your background. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, think about what what are they really, what's on their minds? I mean, when they go through the day, they're probably thinking about um, the things that any human would think about, you know, their family, um, their work, um, getting enough, sometimes getting enough to eat, in the case of Ming and her family at one yes. time, uh, who they love, who they hate. Uh, and they're thinking as individuals. They're not perceiving themselves as you perceive them as an outsider. Right. And that, I think, is the difference. Um, that's, where, that's where I've seen male writers go astray when they're perceiving women. <laughs> yes, well, I'm sure male writers sometimes think women, oh, well, think a lot of things that we're not thinking as women. <laughs> well, I actually heard a story about that. Really? Um, yes, oh, you know, I love Selected Shorts, uh, the show that's produced um, at Symphony Space in Manhattan. and it, it, Oh, the right, um, NPR one? Yes, yes. And, it, and it airs on NPR uh, with actors reading short stories. And uh, it, the, the I heard this short story uh, read once, and the terrible thing is I cannot remember the name of the story or the author to save my life. And if anyone knows, please let me know. But it's we'll get a, a call funny, in, huh? funny short story about a young woman who answers some kind of uh, classified listing in which uh, a group of um, famous male writers have um, said that they would like to hire a woman to come in and talk to them about what it's like to be a woman because they want to write about women. And so they ask her various questions about her life. And one of the questions they ask her is, what do you think about in the course of a day? And she answers, oh, well, my work, my kids, uh, what I'm going to make for dinner, um, the state of the world, and they're waiting. And finally, they all say what's really on their minds and they, because their mouths are kind of hanging open at her answers. 
and they ask, what? You don't think about your breasts? <laughs> Is that what they really think we think about all day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, based well, on some male writers, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so best anyway. to kind of find out. Mm -hmm. Best to kind of find out. Well, certainly they always say about writers, um, especially writers who are first starting out, write what you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in a, a book that takes place 500 years ago with totally different people, there's always a piece of yourself, just like you were saying, being wants Absolutely. to be a writer. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so you, you share a vision and a soul with her, even if there are so many differences between the characters. And the same would go for uh, men in the story, you know, they're all a little piece of your own experience in some way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, when you were in Hong Kong and in mm -hmm. China, this book wasn't yet being materialized in your mind yet, was it? Uh, no. Uh, the last, uh, no, I was, I went to China and took notes for it. Okay. Um, okay. So you did. Yeah. But okay. I wasn't sure about the timeline there. If you were there and this book was in kind of formation or, you know, not even a, not even a, you know, a snowflake yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess it was materializing as a snowflake. Materializing. <laughs> <laughs> and you were taking mm -hmm. notes. I love mm -hmm. that. So, so what kind of research do you do for a book? Um, I think, well, I mean, a lot of the research I did for Ms. Ming's Guide to Civilization just was a natural outflow from my study of China and from my work as a financial writer because there is a message about economic inequality oh, yes. in there uh, and uh, some look at the inner workings of private equity firms. Um, so that part I just, you know, took notes on, on the life that I was living. Uh, the rest, uh, it's... I, I, it depends on the book. This book, other than that, was not that. Rec other than the, the traveling and right, um, but you lived the, the background. Research. Right, yes. was was basically what I was living. The rest was really coming from what I from my own mind. I was thinking about, um, oh, why isn't this a? Why doesn't this world, you know, pay people like me lots and lots of money to write? Wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I um, agree. <laughs> <laughs> isn't isn't it more valuable to write books that pe they're going to make people think than it is to um, oh go to Wall Street and you know make a lot of money just um, move money moving, from place yeah, to place, right? Yes. Making one corporation merge with another and Absolutely. then separate. I agree. Um, so, <laughs> and 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 what happens when they make it so? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, without giving away the ending, oh, yes. um, I will say that. Funny thing, it turns out that for most people, it's a lot easier to be a capitalist than it is to be a thinker. Mm. And thus the state of affairs. Now, did yes. you set out to write a, a, I'll call it a social commentary, mm -hmm. or did you set out because you had a story in your head? What was the first impetus? Uh, the first impetus was just a story in my head. The first, it was really just, um, I want to write about a quixotic trip to okay. uh, a remote Sichuan village. And uh, and the monkey and everything uh, yeah. else. So the story came first. Um, the story came first. The characters and the story came first. But a funny thing happened. Actually, in reality, um, when I was in this Sichuan uh, village, uh, my friend and I went up to an old pagoda in the village, 
it's an old, it was an old crumbling pagoda. Uh, and she said, no one ever went in there. Um, they were a little afraid of it. And uh, when she was a kid, they used to say, oh, there are foreign spies in there. They'll zap you with x-rays, which was a cover-up for saying it's full of ghosts. Okay. Because she was growing up in China at a time um, when if you talked about believing in ghosts, you'd probably be stoned to death for uh, you know, believing in old superstitions. Oh. So she said, we should climb to the top of the pagoda. That's nine stories up. We should sneak out tonight and climb to the top of the pagoda. We couldn't do it that afternoon because there were minders behind us. Oh. And <laughs> they would have been horrified. <laughs> it would have been a bad reflection on them if they lost sight of us. You have minders, huh? Uh, yes. And uh, I thought, hmm, am I afraid? Well, I am kind of afraid of falling through a rotted staircase and breaking both legs and being gnawed to death by rats. Hmm, do I want to do this, especially at night? Uh, it became a moot point because we walked up to the doorway, which was just an, uh, uh, no door, just a doorway, and we saw this black and very black interior. And suddenly um, a man emerged from the pagoda, and he was, he looked like kind of a hermit. Uh, he was very thin and ragged. His feet were bare, and it was January, and it was cold. And he looked at us and looked terrified, and just ran out and ran around to the back of the pagoda and disappeared. And after that, we felt like we couldn't really go in there because it was invading his space, whoever he was. And uh, the image stuck in my mind. Yes. And as soon as I got to that in my writing, the story took on a life of its own. I thought, who was that man? Well, who might he be? Mm -hmm. Might he be... In fact, this mythical character called the Monkey King, who could assume 72 transformations. Now that, he could transform himself into a gnat, a monkey, which was his presumably natural form. Uh, he could look like a beggar. He could even look like a very handsome man in an Armani suit. Mm. Uh, <laughs> You have to read the book, too. Absolutely. Uh, I didn't realize that the book actually happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, ex not exactly. But that, uh, you were asking about research, actually. Yes, and so once you lived I, it. Once, yeah, but once I realized that that was something I was going to do with the story, I did read all four volumes of The Legend of the Monkey King. Nice. It's a book called A Journey to the West, which is a Chinese classic. Wow. That's next on my hit parade. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long read. <laughs> Tell me something about your writing. I'm always mm -hmm. intrigued with fiction writers. Uh -huh. um, there's the the outliners, which you know, if I were to write fiction, I would be an outliner because I'm so you know type A OCD. Oh. And then there's the let's just sit here and our characters are just doing what they do on screen and writing into the dark kind of a thing. What happens to you when you write? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't do an outline. I actually, I used to inter I used to work for an arts magazine very early in my career, and I interviewed a lot of novelists, and most of them said, "Don't work from an outline. Just let, just create your characters and let the story unfold." And so I took that advice, right. and it, you know, seems like a slog. But if you I think that if you create an outline in a story like this, and it does depend on the genre of fiction right. too, uh, but if it's a story that's going to be full of surprises, you really need to surprise yourself. 
and so you don't want to be um, wed wedded to an outline. Wow, and that's not scary, like like <laughs> a tightrope without a net. Oh well, yes, kind of like uh, going into a, the black hole in an old pagoda, <laughs> not knowing what's there. Did but that's but the discovery is you know what makes it fun to write a novel too. Right. So so you would be writing and you'd be surprised at what mm -hmm. happened. Yes. Yeah, I would. <laughs> wow! I just start typing and, oh, <laughs> that's what's going on in my See, mind. I am dying to be a fiction writer just because oh. I would love to live that. I, I've, I've heard people say, I can't believe she died or something. I'm mm -hmm. saying, you killed her. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but, but you really do have that experience of it just taking shape without yes. your... Mm -hmm. Without you really knowing where it's headed. Um, yeah, although it's also important to create the characters. Uh, uh, the best literary fiction, in my mind anyway, is very character-based. And uh, uh, as a reader, I want to uh, feel attached to the characters. I don't have to like them, but I want to feel curious about them. Yes. And uh, uh, so I think that if you create the characters and then put them into a situation Part of what unfolds is just your characters reaction, reacting to the situation. Wow. You, you've given such a green light to, to <laughs> writers out there, aspiring writers. Oh. As far as, you know, letting the characters do their thing, you know, on screen, on paper, however it is that you're writing. That's just amazing. To, to let that happen. But I love what you said about you don't have to like your characters, but you mm. have to be curious about them. Oh, yes. I've sympathetic never heard characters. anyone kind of, yes, I've, I, you know, I've heard people say it, uh, sympathetic, other words, mm -hmm. but the way you've, you said it about you have to be curious about them, that opens up a whole other way of looking at characters. You could hate their guts, That's but you true. have to care yeah. enough to want to know what happens next. Mm -hmm. And that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I love that. Any other tips, perhaps, for aspiring writers? Um, oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> when people, when writers are asked, uh, "What would you tell aspiring writers to do?" The answer is um, don't write. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is either don't write or just sit down and write. I yes, think it's one, one of the other. Or the other. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Here's what I would say: If so if people tell you don't write because it's frustrating and because um, you'll starve and all of that, and you think, but I have to write, then that's why you, then you have to write. go ahead and write. Then go ahead and write. You have to write. Um, if you get discouraged by people saying don't write because it's hard um, or because you won't make a living at it, um, then you weren't meant to then, write. Yeah, then, mm -hmm. uh, uh, or if you don't really have a burning story, you know, aren't just burning to tell a story, even if you don't quite know what the story is, uh, then maybe you don't really want to write. Maybe you want to express yourself creatively in other ways, right. or maybe you want to try writing and see if you get into it. Right. Um, but I sat down to write just because I thought, ah, I can't go on living if I don't write. I love that. So you had to write. Yeah. <laughs> well, I certainly hope that you have to write your next novel. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> and I hope it's not 10 years from now that we get you back on this uh, <laughs> the show so we could talk about your next book. Will you promise us less than 10 years? Because yes. this, was, this was too good for us to wait for another 10 years after Thanks, Stephanie. That, there's an incentive. Okay, Absolutely. I'll, I'll go Just home and start writing. Start writing. That's it. And, you know, do you wait for the idea or do you, you know, prod it along? 
yeah, I do kind of prod it along. Um, the, I, I mean, I'm not ready to talk about the novel of that course. I'm working on now, of course. But uh, it started with a few images and then kind of morphed. And now I have a solid idea of who the, uh, who the main characters are mm -hmm. and uh, the general situation. And I just have to start doing it. Well, we will not ask for a sneak peek, <laughs> but we will be anxious to read it when it comes out. And uh, if you are looking for, uh, whether you're looking for something fun and outrageous, or maybe just a statement about our culture today, Ms. Ming's Guide to Civilization with, by Jan Alexander. Thanks so much for joining us, and it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing!